Pretty Nigel, Raymond Wise, and everybody about to get you right. And telling the truth and they're setting the vibe. You can get into it too if you like and subscribe. Back, 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 back again, back again. <laughs> Chaotic. Guess who's back in the house? Ow, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it. Y'all. Y'all, we back. We back. It's another week. We survived it, the last one. We did. We did. I need you to survive. I need you. That's what it gives me. I hated that song. Me and my dad used to hate that song with a passion because it was so, it was like, I won't harm you with words from my life, words from my mouth. That is not true. Like humans will inherently (laughs) harm someone with what, so shut the fuck up. Don't sit here and lie to me. Me and my dad used to talk so much shit about this song. You know what's funny? There's another song and I love Hezekiah Walker, but there's a song by him called Grateful. I, I do, know grateful. I, we used to our praise dance team. I don't, out. I, every time I hear that song, I'd be like, Ugh, not again. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We used to praise dance to it. And they my dad was an overseer in full gospel. And yes. uh, that was like a really big song. You know how full gospel is. And that was like yes. a really big song in the full gospel right, era of right, his right. uh ornation, I guess you could call it. And yeah. they did that song and we praised dance to it because it's like a big special service. Tore that shit up. Yes. <laughs> it was amazing. I ain't gonna hold you. I was, it was good. I was like, yeah, this is black art, niggas. <laughs> Bo, I need to I see every time you talk about stuff, I need to see, I need all the receipts. Every yeah. time that you talk about stuff from your past, I'd be like, I need to see it. I was like, because we need those, those be receipts on... every episode. Yes. Well, it needs to be a whole actually... segment. It honestly may be on YouTube because we performed at the Full Gospel Conference. Like I was a part of the Full yes. Gospel team, um, okay, like yeah. team, and they're always on YouTube typically. So I'm gonna go back and see if I can yes. find it on YouTube. Please do. That will be on our extra special pieces because I think we have to it's have a whole Patreon, segment. On this content. Okay. Hello. Ooh. Okay. Well, how are you guys? How is your weekend? Uh, I said, how are you guys? How are y'all? Because listen. Okay, we inclusive right here because guys ain't the only guys. I'm a girl, only people but I'm that be a guy. on the book. Okay. Oh, well, damn. Shut me down. Damn. <laughs> I think I don't get wrapped up in gender. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. But yeah. <laughs> yes. Reading down at the beginning. Okay. So yeah. How how are y'all? How was y'all weekend? How was y'all week? What's been going on? What's new? What's Good. team? What's going on? I had a great weekend. I got to celebrate my friend, the great Raymond DeWise. Period. <laughs> We went to Dave and Buster's, and we haven't been in so long. And what I loved about being adults at Dave and, Bust- at Dave and Buster's is like getting to drink alcohol and yes. with your friends and like be grown and look good. Yes. Like they have watermelon. Randy put me on to this watermelon margarita, and I a felt watermelon like- margarita. And I, I don't know they put around the rim. It was so good. It was so good. <laughs> it was so good. I was like, I had this it so. for Black History Month. This was what we needed. Yeah. Oh, this was, my. this was what we needed. This <laughs> off-season watermelon drink. Ordered. This is what we needed. We got, we got watermelon uh, margaritas, and we all had chicken wings. I was like, oh, we yeah. being real niggardly it's today. Giving, it's giving real. It's giving Black History Month for sure. Oh Day two Black History Month, doing it all. Like, that part. Yeah. Yes. Good. What about you, Randy? How was your weekend? How was the week? Weekend was really, really, really good. I enjoyed celebrating your birthday as well. Um, 
the week rough, rough, like my, (laughs) just like a little pivot, I guess. Um, Yeah. My first like boyfriend from like way, way, way back in the day died and I can't figure out what happened. Yes. And it is like, so yeah, it's so crazy. I'm seeing people say stuff over social media. No. Um, Uh, That's my first time, girl. (laughs) But my first uh, boyfriend like died and like I'm seeing like his information all over social media. And a few years ago, he reached out to me and he like tried to talk. And I spoke, I spoke with them. Like we've been cool, but he didn't know I was married. Like we stopped talking after we broke up and he reached out to like, try to get back with me. But he was always like down low. He was always like incredibly down low in it. It's just weird to see like an obituary for someone because I'm like, wow, he never came out. Like I'm seeing like so much about his life and like people talking about him. And I'm like, he never came out of the closet. Like he went like that. Yeah. And it's so weird. And it's just like, I have an experience of this person that is not consistent with the stuff that people are saying online. I'm like, this wasn't like him at all. And it's awkward. How do you feel about that? And how does it affect your memory of him? It's just weird. It feels fake. And it doesn't feel real. I was like, this isn't even like an actual, like I was reading the obituary and all of the things. I was like, this is not who this person like was. This is not their identity. They didn't like that. And it's just Mm. awkward. It's just really awkward and uncomfortable. And I noticed it today. And I also don't know what happened. And I don't have anyone I could reach out to because he was down low when we talked. Like when we were dating, we were both in the closet. Um, But it's just... Yeah, it's really awkward. I'll send some of the stuff in the group chat, but like yeah. definitely an awkward, well, like humbling moment. Yeah. No, that's I mean, and it is one of those things where it's like Yeah, that's I I've I've not had that experience, so I don't know exactly how I would respond or how I would feel about it. Um, so I can understand where that's kind of a little a little perplexing because it's like do I was like you don't hate the person or you're like not angry with them but you're also just like I don't know like what yeah so I I get that um okay um but other, otherwise like overall like good I guess I guess with that being said like I guess that's it might be easier for us to just all get like numbers yeah because listen because uh, you know what I'm gonna be perfectly honest like and it's crazy it, I'm, when it comes around, when it becomes, when it talk, when we talk about death, like I ain't going to even lie to you. It's, it's, I think it's a hard situation because it's like, what do you, you know, especially if it's something that's not personally affecting you. It's like, how do you then like feel like you advocate for that person or how do you support that person without mm-hmm. really having like knowing like what they may or may not need. So I guess in this sense, maybe that might be the, like the thing is like, what can we do as friends? You know, is there anything that we can do to support you like in that? I mean, I know it's a little like, distant but like is there anything that we can do as your friends to support you in that i think i'm good i think i'm good i think check in for sure because um, sometimes yes. when stuff is fresh you're like mm-hmm. you don't know yeah, how it's facts. gonna affect you until a couple days later but i think facts. i'm good just check in i think i'll be okay can, but it's just awkward can do can do so, i'm gonna know, check I'm in real hard okay well, gonna have you checked in anyway. She's like, it don't even matter. I'm checking in, don't matter. Right. 
Um, okay, well, that's fair. Um, and I guess I'll just tell like like my weekend. My weekend was really, really great. Um, thank you all. Thank y'all for coming and supporting my birthday celebration. Um, <laughs> it was a good, it was just a good vibe. And I really, I chose Dave Investors because I wanted it to be just easy where people can come in, have a good time, be in and out on their own accord. Like, I don't want, I hate when sometimes you have to do all the planning and then got to find a table for everybody. And luckily we ended up getting a table. But they got mad at me because I kept asking, can y'all have two more tables? Can you add two more? T- can y'all add two more chairs? I know they was mm-hmm. only, but. I was like, it's empty in here, so y'all can y'all can add here. Know, they were like, now look, we have brought all of the bone in okay. garlic parmesan wings. Okay, <laughs> okay, to this and table. It was yeah, but it was it was a good vibe, and I'm really grateful for all the people that were like there. Um, and it was just a good experience. Like, I just think overall, like. Just, I don't know. I really, I'm really big on community and just having people there who mean so much to me. Um, and, you know, of course, y'all know this, but the my partner was, it was this their first time meeting the larger collective. So it was definitely like nerves across the board, but it was, I think, I think they did a great job. <laughs> I think that they showed up Thank and showed you. up Them how they needed eight. to. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> good man, Savannah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so overall um i think that it was i think overall it was a good a good time um so um i guess just to kind of wrap it up in the sense of like just the you know continue with the mental check-ins what would you say i guess uh for last week what would you say like your numbers were like you know what was the overall number that you would give your week i'm gonna give it a nine for reasons that i'm gonna discuss offline <laughs> yes <laughs> okay nine um i would say a seven. I think I did a yeah. lot of mental health stuff early in the week and it allowed me to yeah. like better handle the stressful stuff that came later in the week. Um, that part. So it happened really okay. good. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to probably, I'm going to, I'm going to align with Bo and say that I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it a good nine. I always feel like I can't always give anything a 10. I feel like I always got to give that cushion because I'm like, it could be better, but just because of like, you know, like, weird stuff on my part but yeah so i'll give it a nine um so so overall it sounds like everybody had a good week which is great so mm-hmm. i love that so um so everybody if you don't know this is black inquiry i'm raymond wise i'm boda batty and i'm randy nigel and guess what i forgot how i'm supposed to say <laughs> welcome to the group chat niggas <laughs> i was looking at it too and i was like <laughs> this is this is why this is why i always be saying like i give it a nine because girl <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i'm doing it again well you know so this is raymond wise i'm bolder batty and i'm randy nigel and welcome to the group chat Navigating society as an intersectional identity can sometimes pull you in so many different directions all at once. Am I too gay? If I am too gay, does it make me less black? Is there such a thing as being too gay? Does exploring queer culture and all of its various hues and colors mean that I will inadvertently have to quiet parts of my blackness? Too often our blackness is scrutinized by society, whether it be internally, from our own cultures, or via the white gaze, and sometimes the white gaze. So where does this leave us on the point system of blackness? And as black people, are we gatekeeping our blackness from the very ones we strive to protect? This week's topic is Am I Black Enough? Let's talk about it. Woo Chile. 
<laughs> a bit controversial. Yeah, we're taking a meaty topic on this week. Ooh. I'm excited to talk about it, though, because I think I've been seeing an, an uptick in dialogue online. Um, and it's been uncomfortable. And not the type of constructive uncomfortable where it's like, let me be introspective. It's like, I am someone who has already done so much work to understand myself and not need outside validation when it comes to how I identify. So as someone who is chronically online, seeing my Blackness consistently be questioned or pulled or separated, and then you have like Black gays versus just the Black community, and then you have, you know, we drag people for like who they date. It's just so much noise around it right now. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I am Black. I am beautiful. I don't give a shit what the fuck y'all got to say about my blackness because at the end of the day, I could still get killed by a cop. So it seems kind of pointless to sit up here and go back and forth about the validity of someone's blackness. I agree. I think, so I think a great, I say all that to say, um, most of the rhetoric has been around pro-black, like if you are pro-black or not. And I think that's a really great place to start because I think that definition is kind of open, kind of fluid. I think it can change. So I would love to hear like what you all would use if you had to come up with some type of a working definition of pro-Black, even if it is just from your perspective or your experience. To me, um, when I think about pro-Blackness, I think about the same thing. um, Like when it comes to pro-life, to me, if you're pro-Black, you are supporting the life and values of Black people. Like you are doing whatever it takes to make sure that they can live unencumbered. Um, and that's just how I see it. What about you, Raymond? Yeah, I think for me, I look at, <clears throat> I guess the word pro, um, which of course means for, right? So it's saying, you know, you're for Blackness. You are for the development and the growth and the stability and the health and the wellness of pro-Black, you know, of Black people and of the Black culture, right? Um, I think sometimes we, even I think sometimes we separate the fact that black and black culture, right? Like to me, even though there, there, there's a, there's a difference of being a black person and being part of the black culture. Right. But I feel like they kind of go hand in hand. And if you don't, if you support one and don't support the other, then mm-hmm. you kind of, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you're, you're kind of doing a disservice. So it's like, you're kind of straddling the fence. So for me, yeah, it's definitely about, it's definitely about more so um, advocating and supporting and showing up for the 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 black people and the black culture and, and just the community of black um so that's how i look at pro blackness um i do often think that people feel like pro is like a you have to be like overt right i feel like when i hear people say <laughs> pro blackness it's like it means like you're overtly black but then it's like well what but what is that like how do you how do you what how do you define like you know my blackness my black how i am as a black person is is less than your black person right the black experience is nuanced for everybody for every person i mean every the human experience is nuanced right but then once Mm -hmm. you start going into black culture and black communities it's extremely nuanced because there's so many subsets of what that looks like you know Mm -hmm. and there's so many different lived experiences simply just simple as as like our, the, the hue of our skin that ultimately makes a difference in, in how you know we can even be translated with that so yeah but definitely yeah. um pro-blackness for me is just you know the advocation for for the black people and the the stability wellness health all that for for black people 
Also piggybacking on what Bo said at the beginning of this conversation, I feel like it goes without saying, but also needs to be said that pro-blackness is not anti-whiteness. I think a lot of people in this space now have just like this, like stick up their ass for just like hating white people. And I'm like, that is not necessary. Like the tweet that Bo like referenced, this woman basically hopped online and said, you can't be pro-black if you have a white partner and this and this and this. And it's like the black community, we would not have a lot of the things that we have without like abolitionists and white support. Like, we have to acknowledge that as a part of the conversation when we are talking about pro-Blackness. White people may be the original evil as far as slavery is concerned, but there have also been a lot of people who have helped and who have moved the needle forward for us. And we have to acknowledge that in this conversation. We can't just be one-sided. Yeah. I saw uh, it was that tweet, and then it was like a, a week and a half or two weeks of just consistent bullshit rhetoric around interracial dating specifically. And I had gotten on Facebook and my cousin's ex-wife had shared a Facebook post that was like, I can't imagine dating somebody who would have sold me back in the day. And I was like, now, sister, you, a lot of you hoes be dating niggas who will sell you today. So let's not act like. (laughs) Instantly, pimp you out. Stop playing. Stop playing. I'll be living in your house, eating up your food. Not giving shit about you. Well, let somebody smash for a good $200, girl. Huh? We want to have this conversation because let's not even get into sex trafficking statistics. Like if you Uh really want to have these types of fucking conversations, but it's like so ignorant. And also the assumption that every white person during Jim Crow era would have like sold out a black person, which is not true. Like there are people, there were even white people along like back when the underground railroad was a thing who were like, they could be trusted. They would offer property. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's not no pun intended, but it's not black and white. And Mm -hmm. it pisses me off to see someone putting down other Black people in our community for loving who they love. And sometimes it happens with being queer, too. Like, I've heard conversations around, like, oh, you know, white people being gay is, like, normal. That's what they do. And then, you know, it rubbed off on Black people. And it's like, that's not how any of this works. Mm Mm-mm. You said I didn't catch the gay from my white friend Kimberly in fourth grade, bitch. <laughs> like that's <laughs> not at all how it works, but just the most ignorant things are being said. And it's like, yeah. where why does it matter to you who I am fucking asleep? And the things that y'all should be speaking up on, these niggas who are out here shooting black women, the men who are out here beating on black women, the people who are the niggas who are out here not being there for their kids, mm-hmm. like how about we work on ourselves internally, our community, and if it ain't got nothing to do with you and your pussy, don't put your mouth on it. Period. I am all about the critique of certain things as it pertains to race and whiteness as it pertains to blackness. But I think mm-hmm. we enter dangerous territory when the critiques don't have fixes. This was my big problem during the Black Lives Matter movement. I was like, mm-hmm. the whole point of us protesting and complaining about things and like saying, hey, we need action is so that the people we are complaining to then fix the problem. That's That should be the point every time you complain about something is to get yeah. the problem resolved. And we enter dangerous territory when we complain about things and then people go fix them. And then we say, well, they're fake. 
well, they're this, well, they're right. that. It was the yeah. same as when we were protesting and then companies will put out Black Lives Matter signs, hire more Black people. And we're like, well, now that's fake. <laughs> and it's just like, well, what, right. what do we uh, want I to happen here? I, I think there is room for criticism of white allyship. So mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I got my ass, they lit my ass up on Twitter um, back when Ahmaud Aubrey died um, mm. jogging because I noticed a lot of white people started taking selfies of them jogging and posting it online and being like, I'm running for Ahmad and he can't run, but I can. And I was like, listen, Chill. A, that's not helping anyone. And I don't necessarily enjoy getting online and seeing all these white people smiling and running and saying, oh, well, this black man couldn't run, but I can. I'm like, that's actually really hurtful because Mm -hmm. you're almost rubbing it. It felt like to me, it was being rubbed in my face. Oh, look what I can do. I can go out here and run and I can go out here and take a jog. And I'm like, Mm. we can't do that. That was the whole point. So you showing off, you doing that is not helping me at all. And I mentioned that on Twitter and the girls were like, what is y'all's fucking problem? Y'all say y'all want white allies and then white allies start allying and y'all got some fucking criticism for that. Y'all, y'all don't know what y'all want. I was like, no, I gave action items. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and I think that's the thing too. I think that people are not always aware what ally, what allyship is actually what it's supposed to do right like people mm-hmm. think that if they if they're like oh like i'm like they think if they're like oh well i speak on it like or i'll say like oh yeah like justice for you know uh for a mod like then that means that i'm an ally but ally ally is action right it's actual action it's not just like mm-hmm. rep- it's not just representation it's actually action and i think a lot of times get that confused when it comes to ally and i think even i think that's the thing too even like when you think about like um like the queer culture, right? Like there's people who would be like, oh, I'm an ally. Like I, you know, I have gay friends. It's very similar to that. Where it's like, oh, I have gay friends. And it's like, that yeah. doesn't make you an ally. Like <laughs> that's, that means that you represent, you represent like what out, you represent maybe what allies maybe look like or what they, what they would deem as allyship, but it's actually being actionable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I can I go back to your point, Bo, or into what you were saying, Randy, about like, you know, when some of the companies, like all of a sudden now they got all this Black Lives Matter, or they have all these things. And I do think that it's kind of, it is kind of a, it, it's a double, it's kind of, it's kind of goes both ways. Cause it is kind of the thing of like, they might genuinely be doing it for the fact of wanting to bring attention to the situation or to be advocates. But it also, at the end of the day, it's still capitalism. They still are marketing and making money from those things. So I think that we have to be able to decipher when it is actually Mm -hmm. like pointed towards really helping with the cause versus profiting from the cause. Mm -hmm. And when it's just strictly performative. (laughs) Right. And because that that's a thing. Um, but I think to go back to like I, I think to go back to like, you know, discussing like the the aspect of uh blackness, yeah, I do think that I don't know why people are so they they believe that like your blackness has to be it has to be directly of uh, like directly impacted, directly um correlated with anti-whiteness like when you said that it's it's Mm -hmm. so interesting and i think it's because for so long we were supposed to be because we've put because whiteness is the you know the if you want to call it the center i wouldn't call the center but because it is the the norm if we will then we always feel like we have to be other 
And I was actually going to say something about that because I find it interesting. I, like, is even when you hear people, like, I think about it from in the black culture, right? Where they're like, oh, you talk white or you talk, you talk too proper. Like you, 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 you must not be from the hood. You must not be black. And it's as if like, you know, bringing up this like thing of like, if you're not from the hood, that like being from the hood somehow validates your blackness. And I think that that's also an issue mm-hmm. that I, that I've combated several times. And I just be like, well, I'm not, I'm not from the hood. I wasn't raised in the hood. And that's not to say that I'm above anybody or better than anybody. That just was not my experience. Right. But I it's always you're, interesting. You're so right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're so right about the hood comment because I, I, I actually looked up the urban dictionary definition of pro-black and it seems to be rooted in capitalism and about like economically boosting black people to be as financially equal as white people. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't think that pro-Black should be centered around capitalism because capitalism in and of itself is inadvertently anti-Black. And yeah, and it's also like capitalism is, is, is only for the privileged, right? Like if you think about it, capitalism only, um, supports the privileged. So, and unfortunately in most cases we as, Black people are not typically on that side of the spectrum, though we will have some of our privileges and have privileges and things. But at the end of the day, we are not we are not identified as the privileged for the most part. So, yeah, it's just always interesting to me that we that even within our community that we will condemn and ostracize each other for for the very thing that everybody else ostracized us for. To be honest, it, it's very yeah. interesting. And the wild part is we are people who like blackness itself is a construct like blackness only exists because of colonialization. So the fact that we would then from within blackness police what we perceive blackness to be when the only reason why we all speak English, the only reason why we do a lot of the things we do is because we have been uh, sold like like, sold in like forcibly placed within white culture. So the fact yeah. that we would then police that and say, oh, well, yeah. these people aren't black enough. We are all if you are black, you are a product of colonialization and have no right, right to me to speak over other people's blackness, period. And, you know, what's interesting. And I don't know if you've all ever been in an experience like this. And I've only been privy to see it versus it be not like somebody directly coming towards me but even when i think about that the fact of like colonialism right so but then there's this spectrum of like when it comes to black people like say for instance if you are a direct descendant from africa right like if you are african versus african-american there's a there's a dissension in that where it's like you know like the like even when you like i've met people who were from africa and there's a little bit of an aversion to what african-americans are where they're like they're not they're not black Mm -hmm. they're not you know they're not and I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's more they so say that we're westernized, which yeah, we are, right. we are westernized. And there is even beauty in that. That does not right. negate our right. existence. That does not negate right. our experience. That takes right. away nothing. We are black and we are yeah. westernized and that's beautiful. We made a whole yeah. culture. Black people made black culture yeah. in America that is unique yeah. to Western yeah. civilization. Right. Yeah. And I think and I think it's also interesting to think about when you think about how big when you think about the African diaspora in general, how vast it is, like people get so caught up thinking that it's just in like Africa or it's just, you know, like we are everywhere and there are descendants of us across the continents. And I think that like people don't think about that. So I think when we start talking about blackness and how we identify what that is, like it can't be put into a box. It can't be like if you check off these boxes, you black. There's no there's no it's too vast. It's too wide. It's too deep 
for us to even like put into like a, a category of what blackness is. Um, so I saw so I always did find you just it slide Beyonce's ego lyrics in there. Yes, yes, he did, did. I? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Iconic. too big, too wide. It's too big. It's too wide. It it's won't fit. I mean, it's much. too much. But I mean, but do we have a big ego? Yes. Yes, yes. we do. Thank you, Beyonce. This is brought to you by... No, I'm kidding. Okay. And today's sponsor is... The, okay. The Lowe's Carter Foundation. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Sponsor us. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I, but I, but I, I think that's the thing too. And I think like, especially when we think about the, like the black queer experience, like, um, that's often the hard thing, right? It's like, I feel like there's times where you have to, it's almost like you have to, not you have to choose, but you're put in a position where it's like, do I choose? How do you, it's, it's the question is, do I choose my queerness over my blackness? But in totality and in, in honesty, it's not necessarily that you can choose. Like those are identities that you have either way like those are those are yeah they're, they're, I like they're, to say I choose myself oh that's mm-hmm. good yeah like I am black yeah I am queer it took me a really long time to yeah I am black I am queer I am non-monogamous and yeah. that I am woman sorry I had to yes. uh, but, it, <laughs> but it took a lot to kind of come to terms with like even um when Chandler first showed interest in dating me right mm-hmm. like it took me and my therapist like months of conversation because she was like and i have a black therapist who's queer um mm-hmm. and also non-monogamous and she was like okay well you're saying they do all of this for you and they communicate well and you enjoy their company and you think about them when they're not around and you know you're checking your phone like what's the hang-up because it seems like if this were anyone else you would be quick to date this person or at least pursue a relationship, but you're not with this person. So why not? And I was like, well, because they're white and I don't want to be the black girl dating the white person. And she was like, okay, so these next few sessions, we're going to go through and unpack your bias because that's something that you need to do just as a human. And especially if you're considering dating this person. And I had dated white people before, but this was in the pandemic. So this is kind of when we really started seeing pro-black rhetoric move Mm -hmm. to the forefront of people's Mm -hmm. minds. And Mm -hmm. it was like, I don't know if I can date this white person. Like this is oh, it's gonna look bad. What about like yeah. my image, my writing? I was a really big blog writer. I was like, my blog is blackly black black, like all of my art is. And I feel like it would be invalidated or people wouldn't receive it if they knew mm-hmm. I had a white partner. And we worked through it. It took a minute. But even in working through it, there are still times where I won't say I'm ashamed, but there are times where I'm like, ugh. I already know how these people are about to like view right. me once they find out my partner is white. And it happens a lot. Like I was right. with a group of people last year um, and I was like, hey, my partner's going to be here. You know, is that cool? They're like, yeah, 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 sure. And it was a group of mostly black people. And they were like, oh, girl, like they're white. Like, oh, it's the white person. Like you was really fun. And like clowns me for it. And like, here's the thing. Like being in the black community means you about to get flamed. Like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We do the Joneses for fun over here. Listen. Right. So like, it really didn't, it, it didn't make me feel bad, but it's just something that I already know I'm going to have to prep for. 
And for the most part, the experience is fine, right? Like right. I've been called a white man's whore and it's just something that... <laughs> <laughs> a white man's whore. Do you whore. know this clip, Raymond? Yes, I know it. <laughs> it's so, uh, what's, that, what's that girl's name? Tamaga, Tamara. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, she, Tamara Mallory. They was dragging her for Mary, for being a Trumper and dating that white man. And she got on oh. TV and was crying. It was like, I've been called a white man's whore. And I was like, <laughs> I'm stealing that. That is iconic. <laughs> but do you think... But, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say, do you think that this like weighs even more heavy on you? Because I've always, like growing up in the Black community, felt like queerness was always seen as like an aversion or like... Uh, separating me from the group, but I can see it for you in a lot of different ways, like the black community's views on marriage. And then on top of that, you're queer. And then on top of that, like this just seems like a lot of layers, like you're with a white partner as well. My partner is white. On top of that, I'm non-monogamous. Listen, they stay on my ass, which is why I said I put (laughs) myself first. I choose myself. Like if I were genuinely going to be affected by what everyone had to say about my lifestyle, I would not be happy. Yeah, And it's like at the end of the day... Y'all can talk y'all shit. Y'all can drag me. Y'all can say that I'm not black enough because my partner is white or because I'm non-monogamous or because I'm queer. But at the end of the day, my coochie is getting eaten well and I'm going to see Beyonce concerts. So I really don't give a fuck what y'all have to say because over here, we're eating well. Okay? And my check's clear. My bill's on auto pay. I don't give a fuck. We're good. It don't affect... like. the, it, it's just it's the gaze of everyone else and it's like is yeah. your own home good like are you happy at home is that why you are all right. up in my shit is something going yeah. on do you need a therapist do you need a pastor do you need a hug do you need somebody to rub you and tell you it's okay whatever it is figure it out because it ain't got shit to do with me and it seems as though a lot of this has to do with projecting and p- other people's own insecurities Yeah, because you laying up single crying over a nigga that don't want you when mm. you could easily open your mind. I'm not saying that like you can't be pro-black love. Black love is a beautiful thing. Like mm-hmm. it is for sure. iconic. For sure. Some of the best couples, black love, like all here for it. But it's like when you're making, you're sticking to these ideals that are not serving you. And that is what I find insane and unwell. Yeah. Because it's like blackness, we end up being in a cage the more we police it. I was about you have to people, say that. You have people who are like black women and they can't find a partner. But then there's this perfect uh white partner or a queer person. And then you have people living yep, all of these man. phony, these phony existences. And it, it's like we got out of slavery to put ourselves in another Back cage in of what people have mm. policed blackness to be. And it is just so wild. Like, I'm not so, going to live and be oppressed after we just got done doing all of this work so we could be free from right. slavery. We still have to deal with white people. And then I still have to navigate black spaces walking on eggshells so I don't piss off straight people. I'm not doing that. Yeah. I think it's, I honestly feel like it's just recycled and just learned behavior, right? Like, we we constantly will, I think because, I really believe this. I feel like because we as a people have been oppressed for so long that it feels comfortable. Like it's yeah. it's a comfort. There's a comfort in one oppressing other people because it's almost like a, well, finally I get to make somebody feel bad for me being felt for me always being who I was. So now I get to make some, it's one of those things because then to an extent it makes you feel 
more powerful, right? Like the reason why why oppression and why people who are in power enjoy so much is because there is this thought of I'm I am standing above somebody, making them feel I'm elevating myself so that somebody else feels worse about themselves. And I do think that in and, and this is not just in the black community, but I think being that that's the community that I'm part of, we see it, I see it far more often because there it's it's both I think it's both the thing of where it's a learned behavior. I think there is this connection to always wanting to oppress because we've been oppressed. And then I think this the the last thing is fear. There's a there is a there is an innate fear of us being any more other than what we've already been deemed other as. I think yes. there is an innate fear to that where it's like, well, we, you know, it's like, it's one of those words, like we just trying to get by. It's one of those kind of things where we just trying to get by. So the less attention we bring to ourselves, it, but it, to me, it goes, it's, it's extreme. And I'm probably going to say this several times. It is still, we are still so stuck in slave mentality. Yeah. It's wild. And of course, like, I mean, that's years and eons of years in which we have been in that. So it's not something that's just going to break instantly, but we still have that mentality of we're just trying to get by. I'm just trying to make sure mass is okay with me. And we do that. We do that in spaces. And I I think we've talked about that, like even think about it in a corporate space. Yeah. Even think about in a corporate space where you, we're walking on eggshells trying to be mindful of how much of my, how much of my blackness am I allowed to show without it then being scrutinized or where I'm being told I'm unprofessional, where I'm telling them I'm being Mm -hmm. uncouth or whatever it is. Like how much of my blackness am I allowed to show? And then it's, then, then you add that layer of, well, well now how much of my queerness am I allowed to show without me then being stereotyped as a particular type of queer, right? So Mm -hmm. I think, I think there's just so many, so many layers. And I I think my wish for us as a people, um, especially the black community is that we honestly like heal from that. Like, I think that has, that has stunted a lot of our growth, um, like and as I think about like the just the, the black community as a whole, there's so many spaces where I think we could have been, but we've I'm and I'm not saying I'm blaming us. I'm not blaming us. However, we have stunted some of our growth because of our lack of mm-hmm. wanting to one band together and then also just just be press through the fear. Yeah, like and press is, through the fear. Yeah. This is why when Bo asked, I said unencumbered. Like that is what I think of when I think of pro-blackness yeah. is I don't want it to be a cage. I I think the best example of this is India Irie. In the 90s, it was really tough and the early 2000s. It was really tough to be a, a black person. And I thought India Irie's music was like some of the most uplifting music. I remember the mm-hmm. I am not my hair. I am not my skin. But then to see her at a festival like speak down on Janelle Monet and all of the other girls for twerking and taking their clothes off. I'm like, damn, you went from being like a liberatory icon to being a cage that now people have to exist in. You went from being the liberator, uh, the liberator and like the oppressor at the same people time. with your music. And then yeah. you went straight to respectability and these people don't get to do this. And it is just yeah. so crazy to me. It was just so sad because I was like, she was such a big part of my childhood. So I 100% lean on unencumbered. I want to be an unencumbered black person. Yeah. And I, and I hope that at some point, I think we just get so, I I hope that we can get to a place where like, and not to say, cause, cause I do think that we, I, I've been in situations where I've had, you know, partners that were not black 
And they would say to me, oh, I don't care that you're black. Now, that's not exactly the answer I want to hear personally. Fuck you, bitch, because I care. Uh, because you to me, you know what I'm saying? Because to me, that's to me, it's like dismissing my blackness is not is not affirming it. Right. So so to me, I feel like I don't want us to get to the place to where it's like, oh, well, you you know, you know, well, you know, however, however black you are, doesn't matter. No, it it the, it should be exactly the opposite. It's like. The, your blackness does matter, right? And how you present does matter. But there shouldn't be a a, a there shouldn't be a um like a boundary or or a subset of of like lines that say this is where you have to stick into. Like there shouldn't be a box of like this is what you have to be in order to be black again. So it goes back to that whole thing. Like I just uh because we're so we're such a vast people. We're so different. I mean I I don't know. I just. I just, I feel like the black experience is one that is, I think it's iconic. I think every black experience is different. It's like, it's, um, it's almost like a, it's literally, okay, this is from Forrest Gump, but the black experience is like a box of chocolate. You never know what you're going to get. I am serious. Like, okay, for, for I know that's right from Forrest Gump. Y'all, I know that's how. Anti-black. No, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh uh-uh, him and Bubba. Him and Bubba was friends. Don't do that. See, there, there goes again. Don't you added Bubba as an afterthought to clean it up, girl? There, there goes, there goes again with the with the uh, representation versus the action. But um, <laughs> but but for real, for real. Like I really do think about, like I think about how it's it's an assort. We are an assorted experience like every experience is different like it's very rare that i feel like even in the black queer community that as we there may be things that are similar but even just in the 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 simple things of like the hue of your your skin the the curl of pattern of your hair the, the your height like all those things make a difference in your black experience um the environment you grew up in so yeah i i definitely feel like we're just we're just such a beautiful people and i just wish that people would embrace all the aspects and elements of what that looks like across the board without there being some type of like you have to be this kind of black like that's very Mm -hmm. wild and strange to me i think it is systemic because i think a lot of what we've learned as to deem as acceptable or not is what we've had to do to survive throughout years of a culture and a country that is forever changing Mm -hmm. Um, even when it comes to being queer, like that was the big push. And if you look at things like black people have always, for the most part, had to kind of camouflage to survive. Right. It was like you, you couldn't go out there and, and, and say certain things or behave a certain way without a risk to your life. And so I think we still kind of have that in our DNA, how they talk about like trauma being passed down through generations, through DNA. Mm -hmm. I do think that is a large part of it. Mm -hmm. And so I am someone, that's why I like, when I talk about getting shit from other black people about how I live my life, I take it for a grain of salt because I also understand that like you two are reacting to a culture and a country that has squashed you down and forced you to kind of believe I'm not saying that we don't have the autonomy to form our own thoughts or our own beliefs right but when an entire country of millions of people are pushing this rhetoric and it's it's what's on TV which is a huge way of how we shape our culture it's in our politics it's in our religion I do think that it is a very hard thing to combat and I say that as someone who had to really work to understand myself. And that was difficult for me because 
I had to undo a lot of learning that I came up with, which was even more difficult for me because I grew up in the church and my dad was a pastor and there was grief in unlearning some of those things. Mm. And there was the grief of, I am unlearning this, but would my dad approve? Like, would he be able, and he was fantastic, great scholar. I know, I'm pretty sure he'd absolutely be like, oh my God, she's doing so great. Love her. Yay. Um, But like, it's so much hurt in going back to childhood bow and being like, okay, you always saw this, but that's not the standard that can also be this way of existing. Or you were taught this in the church, but that's not necessarily accurate. You can also do this, especially when my family is still in the church, you know, like Mm -hmm. my family still has pastors who have ministries and I am around them. I see them and they all know me. I I show up in a space as I am 100% everywhere. I've said that before on this podcast, but even in that, it's like there is love and there is grief and there is hurt and there is pain and there is joy that you kind of have to feel all of it and just unpack it to get to who you are and acceptance into a place to where you're finally like, okay, this is who I am. If people aren't going to accept me, that is okay. Because when you're lying in your bed, are you happy with yourself? And once I found that happiness, I never want to let it go. I do not want to jeopardize that. I have worked so fucking hard that I would be a fool to sit up here and subject myself to a lifestyle that does not fit me because I never want to not be happy again. Right. And so many people prior to us. I didn't even know I wasn't happy, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So many people prior to us, it's like to have the history that we have as black people in the U.S. and then to still like wake up, get out of your bed in the morning and then tell someone else what they should be is ridiculous. It's like we have fought so hard to get the little rights that we have. And then you have people who get up every day, clock in for jobs they don't want, change their hair. Mm -hmm. They can't they can't feel free to like wear their hair naturally, like and just Mm -hmm. do basic everyday things. It is just like respectability is another prison. <laughs> it's another it prison. Because I don't want to do this. The Crown Act, but yeah. Cause, yeah. Because <laughs> we are consistently being told that we are not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like something is wrong with us. Something's wrong with your hair. Something's wrong with your body. Like some, you have a, your butt's too big. Your booty ain't big enough. Like, yo, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, what, stop. Yeah. No, and no, going to get Wonderlocks is not supporting the Crown <laughs> Act. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, I guess I have a question for you, for you both. Like, do you feel like there's ever a, a space where your blackness, I'm not going to say doesn't exist, but where it's not something that you have to think about? Our like, do you? Mm. Anytime I go to a kickback at Raymond's, even like your birth, like anytime, even, and it's not even just about being at Raymond's house, right? Like even at Dave and Buster's, there were hella white people there. But what you're not going to do is roll up or say anything to a group of about 25 niggas. Like there is just power <laughs> in numbers. <The> like <laughs> I did not think we about being black. One, yeah. Even when we were ordering watermelon margaritas and eating bone-in <laughs> chicken, it was mm. like, yeah, 
and like it, mm-hmm. it, we we joked about it, but there was never a moment. And even in yeah. the joking about it, it was more of like a celebration of like, wow, we are at Dave and Buster's, and we are at this black ass table, and we are right. we don't have to be ashamed to order the watermelon margarita, and we don't have right. to be ashamed to bring us right. seventeen platters of fried chicken. Like we can, and Listen. because so long it was stereotyped, and it was so, like I I have I have a poem that I wrote um, a while ago, and. And one of the lines in the poem is that I used to say I hated fried chicken. And it was all about how I didn't want people to think that I was some nappy headed Negro uncultured, whatever, because I love fried chicken. And it's like, <laughs> with the exception of that one black man on TikTok who does the dance when he eats chicken, it's like, I, I like that we have finally <laughs> Gotten to a place. They be kicking him say, out of like, the restaurants too, because they be like, "You gotta go." And they need to. Because first of all, if I'm sitting here eating my food, I don't want you jumping and leaping and sweating <laughs> over my goddamn plate. Move, <laughs> gosh, so annoying. Oh, but yeah. So yeah. like, whenever I am with my my people, my community, yeah. it is it's just ease. I never once think about no. being black in the sense of someone else's gaze. I think about being black in the sense of celebrating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel that. What I about recently you? had this, um, I recently had this moment. I had both of you all over for new year's, mm-hmm. uh, and I made buttermilk pies, which is like a slave dessert. Mm. And I'm they like, good. And I'm oh like, God, I almost died. I still got something <laughs> in my refrigerator right now. That wasn't from and New I'm Year's. I'm still but... mad about it. So shut up. I still want mine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The girls are fighting. Um, but it made me feel so good. It made me feel so good to like be preparing something. And I recognize that like I could look at it as damn, like they were slaves. This this is not something I want to practice. I want to leave this in the past and close the door on it. But instead, it's like a celebration of like, mm-hmm. look at what Black people were able to make out of like four ingredients. Mm-hmm. Like, look at what we were able to do. And it just right. makes me feel so powerful and in moments like that. The same yeah. as how both said with the wings, like the fact that we ordered those wings and those margaritas and didn't give a fuck. To me, that is the hope and the dream of the slave is for us to be able to walk through the world and exist completely unencumbered by everything else that has ever happened and to just be black. I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm not trying to disprove anything. I am just simply living. Yeah. And I love that you, you centered it around like food when you started because like that our recipes, our culture, like to this day, mm-hmm. I will hurt myself tearing up a bowl of chitlins. I huh? do. Oh, me okay. too. Little hot I sauce. Baby. Mm-hmm. When I tell you, Ooh. I will hurt myself. Mm. My God. It is everything. I'm like, like, and I, oh there are some people who are like, you ain't got to eat that no more. This is like, you ain't got to eat ass, but what? you eat it too. Oh, so let me sit here and eat my <laughs> shit. <laughs> I am going like, on y- you. Y'all know what that is? Y'all put worse in y'all's mouth. Don't play. Oh, mm-hmm. My gosh. Mute both. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, that is wild. No, but you know what though? I think th- I think that's, I, I, I agree with you. I think um like, I think we've been so we've I love that. I love that we can go into spaces because if you think about it too, like I think about even like the lobster, right? Now, if you if you do your history, lobster was actually like a slave food. It was like people was like this was like the the worst thing that you could eat. And now it is a like it's a luxury, you know, elegant, elegant, eloquent. It is a delicacy now. 
which is interesting. And slaves were the ones who were pulling these things up out of the sea and saying, like, we got to eat this. And, you know, the master was like, I don't know about that. But now all of a sudden it's a delicacy. And so I so I think it goes back to like we we as black people have so much that we create and so and so many of the things that we made out of that were nothing right or that we or that was considered nothing we have made them great and beautiful and i think there's such a potential for us to do that um as we continue to just be more open to variances of, of, of a variation of what black looks like and just be open to it like at the end of the day like what i'm doing over here and how I'm doing it is really my business. And like, unless it's hitting your pocket specifically to where like you, where I'm messing up your money, then maybe that, maybe we can have a conversation, but you know, like my business, Ooh, it's my business. And you really need to just like push back, like go on and sit down. But, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I listen, y'all making me hungry. Now I want to give me some, um, I want some collard greens and everything too. I want all of it. <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm thinking about bringing collard greens for the potluck on Friday. Ooh, you know mm, what's crazy? Mm, mm, oh, I was at first I was thinking about it. I was like, no, nah, I don't want to make them. So I'm glad you're gonna make because the last like, the last time you made the nigga string beans, and it was oh yeah, the nigga green beans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Look, I guess I'll bring honey butter cornbread. Listen, okay, honestly, I'll do collard greens if you do cornbread, and yes. I'll just yeah, okay. okay Come we'll on, teamwork, make a dream work. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna I'm make a salad. Um, but I love. The, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make a salad. Is why I'm gonna, gonna bring... be roughaged out. Do you hear me? Listen, it's giving. It's gonna be. I'm, it's giving. It's gonna be so good. Food. Oh, it's giving. It's giving. I do. I do like uh, what you were saying, Lorraine, about accepting or celebrating blackness in all of its forms and yeah. and, and yeah variations of it. Because I think when we talk about respectability, like there are people who like absolutely hate sexy red. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, why? Why is that? And like, right. oh, she's ghetto. What's wrong with ghetto? And why are you using ghetto to be derogatory? Like, what? Right. What about ghetto is is an issue for you? Now, her politics trash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the okay. fact is, but, yep. And people will also use the term, like, anytime I hear dog whistles, like, ghetto or ratchet or, like, mm-hmm. certain things, people will use those exact same terms in order to justify watching as the world tears a person down. If something mm-hmm. was to happen to Sexy Red, we would justify all manner of evil happening against her because somebody said she was ghetto. And that is my issue with it. Like, mm-hmm. ghetto should not mean, oh, we're not going to protect her. To me, it should be the person should always be protected. Whether you yes. say they are ghetto, they are ratchet, they are right. ugly, they are right. insert thing, 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 thing. Right. I think we run into trouble because so often people use like sexy red not necessarily participating in respectability the way that we want her to as justification for harm to come to her. I forget which mm-hmm. artist it was just recently. I want to say it was Ari Lennox, but I'm not sure. Where somebody threw a water bottle at them Oh, wait. And she tried to fight them. She was like, fuck it. You don't know me. Yeah. Like, yeah, that and was Ari. That was my girl, Courtney. And the, the comment section was like, oh, well, she deserved a water bottle. And I'm like, who what? deserves a water but bottle see, being thrown? But that's how we get there. It's the slippery slope. Do you notice the trend, though, when the two examples that you gave? 
this is where colorism comes into play. You have Sexy Red, who is a dark brown girl. Mm-hmm. And you have Ari Lennox, who is a beautiful cocoa brown girl. Mm-hmm. But you have a lot of the light-skinned girlies who may not have even grown up in some of these areas where that aesthetic is normal. And they put it on. And because they're light-skinned, their numbers run up. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, this is great. But even Ice Spice is like, her <laughs> aesthetic isn't necessarily like the ghetto girl aesthetic to me. Mm-hmm. Like, Ice Spice may have like one big chain, but I mean like the grill, hella chains, the big hoops. <laughs> one like, yeah, right. <laughs> she has that the one, one cute chain. One big chain. <laughs> but the one that, like, you know, it, like Sweetie, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as an example of like a light skinned girl who has the ghetto aesthetic but does not get nearly as much any of the shit. That some of their dark skinned counterparts do in the mm-hmm. industry, right? And again, that's things that we essentially we do that to ourselves. Like we 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 perpetuate those type of situations. Like I feel like again, they they've kind of been grandfathered into our existence as a black people from mm-hmm. slavery, right? So, who colorism? It is a also. I love you, sweetie. <laughs> and clear it, it sometimes up. feels clear like it up. <laughs> period clean it up um right. but it sometimes feels like we are the only group where we are policed like this like i feel mm-hmm. like when it comes to white people white people are allowed to be yes. ratchet one day and then yes. classy the next and various mm-hmm. other things but when black people do it, it's like it becomes our whole existence like sexy yeah. red will struggle to rebrand if she ever changes um we see the same thing happening with trina we see the same thing happening with a lot of different people where they even struggle to rebrand meanwhile if justin timberlake drops a twerk album actually let's not use justin timberlake miley cyrus is a really good example of this we allow her to move and change and ebb and flow however she feels appropriate Uh and we there is no black equivalent of person who has been able to do what miley has been able to do she can go shake her ass she can stick her tongue out she can ride a to ride a ball all over the a stage and all of these different things. But if Sexy Red does it, it's going to have a completely different stigma tied to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, yeah. <laughs> Bo, your face right now. <laughs> I was sitting here trying to think of, I was trying to think if there was somebody that was, that would, that was able, that's able to do that. I was to think of a black that. artist. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I mean, not, I mean, I'm not. I, I want to say Beyonce, right? But that's it's, that's an entirely different thing. Like mm-hmm. that, that's that's artistry. I mean, so, not to say that Miley's not artistry, <laughs> but ooh, I mean, like, even, <laughs> no, 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 not to say that Miley is not an artist because she is. Congrats on her Grammy. Uh, it, it's more about even in like Beyonce's ebbing and flowing of her artistry, we don't get extremes. Right. You know what I mean? Like Beyonce. We were all gagged when she cursed for the first time on an album. Like, Word. she's not going to sit up here and be like, my pussy pink and my tongue on your dick. Like, she's just not going to do that. And if she did, there would be a cultural... Mm-hmm. Sh- I mean, I, so yeah, I think you're right. I was just... It, it baffled me. I was really trying to rack my brain for Black artists who are allowed to do as much and change up as much as she has. And I think you're right. And that is a little upset. Setting. I'm I'm really rooting for Lil Nas X. I think he has the capacity mm-hmm. to do this. Um, but yeah, it is it is interesting. But I do think this has been a great conversation and it's a great time to leave a pin in it. This might be one of those things that we have to come back for a part two on because I think this conversation for is sure. so 
vast. Yes, it's too Very big. Bad. It's too, too wide. Big. It's too, it's too <laughs> strong, and it will it not fit. fit in this sixty-minute segment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, it's ego. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Well, with that, I encourage you to drink some water, stand up if you haven't. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hi, everyone. Thank you for sticking around. Welcome back to Black Inquiry. This next segment is uh, one you should be familiar with by now, even though it's episode three. If you aren't, get familiar. This is what we call Word on the Curb. Word on the Curb. Word on the Curb? Word on the Curb is Aiden Ross, a popular kick streamer. And Chris Brown went viral for saying, free my boy. And he's a solid dude in response to conversation about Tory Lanez. Girl. <laughs> my bad. I, mean, I, saved that. I saved that for the last thing because I knew it was going to be a gag. It's like, there's no way people said this about Tory Lane's most known for domestic violence. Like, there's just no way. Christopher Hi. That people hopped on a platform, particularly if you are Chris Brown. There's just no way you have got the gall, the unmitigated gall to hop on a platform and big up someone who is known for domestic violence. Dude, you make more history. <laughs> it's so unserious. Birds of a feather. Are you delusional? Like, maybe he thinks he ain't do nothing. Like, well, like, he maybe like, I'm, it's Brown I'm innocent too. Girl. The rest of the dialogue is even more chaotic. Like, he goes on to say, like, Tory Lanez is better than 2% of the people I know and this and this and this, or the people in the music industry or something to that effect. I'm like, if you have to clarify how good someone is, they're probably a piece of shit. (laughs) Probably. If you have to get on a platform and say, they're actually a good dude, it means we probably know them for foolishness. (laughs) Just as we know you for foolishness. (laughs) But also, like, what does your community look like if you're saying, like, this this person, right? This person, this is, person the best. <laughs> is, is the best that you that's in your crew. Like, this is this, this is top tier for you. Wow. Ooh, I'd be terrified to be at any type of event mm-hmm. at your place. Mm-hmm. I tell you, I would have swerved on this dialogue. Like, if I'm Chris Brown and I'm sitting there uh, talking to somebody or doing an interview, if Tory Lance comes up, I'm not saying anything. If OJ comes up, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> if Dr. Drake comes up, I'm not saying anything. You, you would not have moved me to chorus with the mention of any abuser. What are you no. doing? <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy because I feel like... Publicists. Mm-mm. And yeah, and I'm also like I'm like Chris Brown. You're just now getting back into a smidge of people's like good graces, right? Mm-hmm. So it's Ooh. like mm-hmm. I feel I feel Ooh. like people are. I feel like there are some people who are a little bit more receptive to him, mm. a lot more than they were previously. I don't. Mm. I'm just you know these that, people. We know these people. I last I checked, they drugged the hell out of Kelly Rowland for accepting a word on his behalf. Oh, I forgot about uh, that. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, oh yeah. So maybe I don't know maybe they're getting back on the graces. It's and, I, and they history. drugged they drugged her for accepting an award because the MTV awards like pulled like they rescinded their invitation to perform last minute because they got so much backlash from people being mm-hmm. like, "Why is this nigga giving a platform right now?" Mm-hmm. Oh right. Kim and Sierra. <laughs> yep. Well, girl. Wait, was, <laughs> wait, wait a minute, <laughs> Randy. Now, see, she was in the performance. Yeah. She was in the performance. She was I supposed didn't to come know out. She was in the yeah. All right. Because mm-hmm. this. Wait. Was this for the Michael Jackson tribute or something? Was that what that was for? Yes. What was it for? Because I think that Jackson he was. Tribute. I think he was doing the Michael Jackson tribute. I re- okay. I he do was. remember that now. And they pulled Last it. Year. They pulled it. 
Mm-hmm. You are correct. Oh. Not, to- <laughs> not him, Tori. And what? Well, okay. Yeah. You know no. Why. No. <laughs> this fact that y'all felt like this needed to be aired. Like, I would have pulled this. Even if we were doing a live, I would have deleted this immediately. Yeah. Yes. This I would have done my best to scrub the internet. You would not know that I said, because here's the thing, Christopher, you're going to probably fuck. Mm, you are more than likely going to find yourself in a position where you are once again back in front of the court of law. And when you mm-hmm. do, this will be used as evidence against you. And will. They're going to be like, oh, no, he supports other like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because if I were a prosecutor, baby. They're going to say, like, there must be, like, a, a group of them that are, like, part of an a organization together. <laughs> That's what they, they got. A they group might. Chat. They <laughs> might. Like, they, they got group me messages. That's <laughs> wild. <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah, that's okay. Well, I mean, since we're here, a word on the curb is that Snoop Dogg is probably about to back in the doghouse. Um, because what I don't understand is Snoop has decided. Okay, let's let me let me go. Let me just go to what he's recently done. So Snoop Dogg has decided to uh, uh, to speak on the Donald Trump, mm-hmm. the Donald Trump. Uh, Snoop Dogg says he has nothing but love and support for Donald Trump. He ain't done nothing wrong to me. He has done only great things for me. And he pardoned Michael Michael Harris. So Michael Harris, of course, was the co-founder of Death Row. Um, and he was convicted of attempted murder and a kidnapping. Ugh. Well, anyways. So my thing is, okay, hmm. so wait, time out. But it, I think what, what is interesting to me is if you go back through, like Snoop literally has songs that are like, towards like how much he dislikes donald trump and literally telling telling people like on his platform like to not vote for donald trump so i'm sitting here like because that will make sell and get you deals with martha stewart and listen <laughs> listen because that it, is good for your brand it's literally the it's the but see and you know this we talked about this the capitalism thing man it it mm-hmm. listen it would get you because literally him saying he has done nothing wrong to me. He has only done great things for me. Well, he, I want to know what the great things are. What? Tell me. I will say this. Rich black men can be so disgusting when it comes to capitalism. Uh, some of the more notable lines are, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Or Little Wayne, <laughs> let me take my Balenciaga mask off during a pandemic to ask y'all who asked y'all. Um, <laughs> it, yeah. It's just so ridiculous. It's just so ridiculous. And it's the fact that you... No, go ahead. No, I just... No, I think it's what... I just find it... First and foremost, I even think about the fact that, like, he pardoned Michael Harris. I find this interesting because I feel... And I feel like I wish I would have done a little bit more research on what pardons, like, how they're how they're decided. Because this man was, was convicted of attempted murder, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I find it interesting that, like, you, out of all the billions of people in the world, or all the, the millions of black men that are incarcerated, um, that this man is who you decide to like pardon. Like it's to me, it seems very calculated. It's real strategic. Well, the kind that he were from he was familiar with. Listen, like it's the, but you know what I'm saying? Like there is I <laughs> I need to understand the line that connects because how like I just it because doesn't maybe make if sense I pardon these people for things that I can relate to when it's my time and I'm in court <laughs> and I got charges, I can then maybe possibly be like, oh no no, like look, I help other people who have been in, uh, child. It, it don't make sense. Get support from yeah. fellow people. Upholding our structure that is misogyny. Right. Yeah. 
it just it just it just really makes me like unsettled that Snoop be like it's that Snoop has been the one to like say these kind of things because you like you go back so you remember like okay so I was like doing some research and one of I don't know if you remember this one of Snoop's albums was Make America Crip Again right and mm-hmm. that and on the actual on the actual like um art it was literally a dead body that was covered by an American flag with a tag that said Trump so it's like that that was and that was back in what I think that was twenty twenty one. But was I think that it was, before or after he got his homie out? This this was before for sure before. But th- but to so me, as soon it's as like the homie get out, then it's like you know okay, well, I can go it's ahead like, and say and he's done me, this. But see, to me, to me, this is where and kind of maybe to circle back to our conversation, like can your blackness be bought? Because that's what is is given. Like to me, that's like it's almost like your like your the blackness and and the pride that you had about the people like about going against Trump and him not being about he literally told people don't vote for Trump like you can't trust him all this other stuff and now that he's giving you he's giving your homeboy a party now all of a sudden it's like no Trump is it like go for y'all. We cannot have like a I scratch your back, you scratch mine mentality when it comes to anti-blackness. Like this does not work and it always disserves the group. It's getting (laughs) slave. It's it's you know what it makes me think of? It literally gives me slave it gives it goes that slave mentality because to me what it is is oh well Mass ain't beat me so hard today, so I'ma work harder. What? What? No, mm-hmm. like it's very much that where it's like it's like well, well, Massa, let me let me take two minutes to nap. So I guess I'm a I'll be all right. To, like that's what it gives me, and I just and I hate that because I think Snoop has stood for so many things and has been such a person that we've seen come out of like like poverty and come out of like you know terrible situations and you know what I'm saying. So it's like people have been so, looked up to him for being that person that kind of crossed over from being this gangster rap guy to being somebody that became like a household name basically like to now being like oh yeah by the way like oh no Trump ain't done nothing to me forgetting all the things that Trump has done with his with his politics that have affected the black community and the very sad person in which is that has been released like Trump is Trump has been somebody that has actually perpetuated black lives being harmed and black lives being murdered and black lives being incarcerated. He has perpetuated that. And you are now saying he's not done anything wrong to you, but he has done plenty wrong to the black community, which to me should be enough to say, I'm not supporting it. But that's my little rant. Any other ideas on that? Cause I definitely will say one thing. There's a clip from this movie from, I want to say the seventies called trick baby. And in there's this beat, I want to say, I don't want to say beautiful, but there's this scene where the white elites are all having dinner. Yeah. And this one man is describing to another man how he systematically raises black people up in the white community and makes them feel as if they are a part of whiteness. Like he's like, oh, we raised them up and we we show them that they are a part of our group and they will then uh-uh. backstab the other black people and we will expose of them, uh, dispose of them. And it is mm-hmm. like so crazy and profound to watch because it's like this movie came out in the seventies and he's breaking down how they do the systematic destruction of black people. And it's yes. like elevating people to, to believe that yes. they are close in proximity to whiteness when at the end of the day, yes. they are still black. And I don't know if people remember when Cardi B and Offset got arrested do you remember that one yes. got arrested mm-hmm. and in that moment wealth did not matter in that moment no. wealth did not matter 
Her being no. Cardi B and him being Offset was so irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. They were just black. That was <laughs> it. Black. Yeah. And they got That's treated like sure every did. other black person. Literally. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm gonna keep um I'm gonna keep Brother Dog in my uh in my prayers. Deacon yeah, Dog. Dog. I don't even want to call him Snoop right now. I'm like you I'm I'm trying to call I'm gonna call you Brother Dog because like you it's given let me pray for you in my time of, of prayer and discernment. So mm-hmm. yeah. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> well, word on the curb is Jacquez and Trey Songs. Is it Jacquez? How do you say this man's I, name? I, I say Jacquez. Jacque- I thought it was, I say Jacquez too. I don't know. But see, every I time I know. ask somebody, I hear something different. And it ain't like they playing this nigga song on the radio enough to be like, that yeah. was Jacquez. <laughs> <laughs> Not that he was listening to the radio, but like, you know, he would have been on <laughs> SNL or something. Something where they would have announced his name. <laughs> but I also can't talk because I'm the same bitch that called, uh, what's his name? I call him Rowdy Roach. What's my boy's Rowdy name? Roach. I love his music. Roddy Rich. Yes. Oh. That's my boy. But yes, anyway, Rowdy I said to say it. I thought it was Rowdy Roach for like a, a wow. <laughs> a really I'm sorry to this man. <laughs> I love his music. I think he is so cute. That's my nephew. I stand, but I was just like, yeah, Rowdy Roach. And then because I wasn't reading it, I was just like playing the music, and I was like, oh shit. I said to somebody, and they were like, "You mean Roddy Rich, bitch?" I was like, "Oh, oh. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense." Because I was like, "Why is he calling himself Roach? Like he is so cute." Anyway, um. Jacquez and his little feud that he had with Trey Songs done escalated after they got into, you know, they got into it a while back in Dubai and it was the whole thing, but he got on IG live, Jacquez did, and was like, I want the world to know this bitch ass nigga Trey Songs is a bitch, period. He was accusing him of rape and starting the whole physical fight that they had. He was like, you came outside the club and swang on your little brother. You's a bitch. Chris Brown is the GOAT. This is where we start getting real unhinged. Uh, <laughs> hey, man, fuck you, bitch, <laughs> nigga. <laughs> they- <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> Sorry. It's a little, it's a little it is. funny. <laughs> I'm trying to really, I mean, it's not, but it is. Because it's like, girl, you get doing all this on IG Live. Post it in another nigga's hood like a bad bitch. Like, what is you on IG? That part. If you going to right and he was like uh i don't give a fuck if you tell anybody about what we texted excuse me oh let me read huh? he said you a rapist bitch and i don't give a fuck if you tell anybody about what we texted okay so why so so <laughs> <laughs> so so you so first knew. of all you know this man you knew he has had several allegations even the most like probably notorious one or infamous one is like Kiki Palmer's when she was like she was crying in that closet mm-hmm. because of how uncomfortable she was at the Trey Songs party and that was years ago and they doubt mm-hmm. drug Kiki unnecessarily yep. because of sexism so I'm like okay so one we already been new but like now we definitely know like we know no but two like what are you saying about yourself because you're like I don't give a fuck if you tell anybody what, we, what was y'all texting what was what was because it's giving abusers protect the bruisers what were you yeah what were you texting post knowing about the abuse right (laughs) right and why because you exposed yourself with this indeed it's double exposure hello because we knew about him now we got you we knew about him now 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 you have somehow flown under the radar but Mm -hmm. this is so you didn't told on yourself and this is where 
much like Nikki, like y'all got to stop just hopping on here and talking because Mm-mm. deep down the truth be slipping out and then you be looking dumb. Right. Mm-hmm. All of it. Exposing then, like, yourself. Later, later on, he was like, uh, put the messages on there. Like, fuck you. Like, you can't come around me no more. And then like he posted a picture of severed dreadlocks. Not severed. That he alleged uh, he had, it was like two or three locks in this photo on the ground, on the concrete. And he said that, you know, songs did that during their, their fight. The nigga came to the club and he got on a, he, it was a mess. He's talking about him dancing, all types of shit and how they like started fighting. And then that he was saying that that's where. Now, do- why would you do that? Just press charges, girl. Because let me tell you, if somebody snatched locks out of my head, you would never fucking know. You sure as fuck wouldn't know for me. Mm-mm. Do y'all think that some of this may be more like a couple's feud? Like, is it like, because it's given. Hell now, girl. You know given... what? It's funny you say that because he says, he went on to clarify. I was like, oh, y'all, okay. He came on to clarify and said, I thought I loved Shouty. Paul. See, it's given, it's given he, y'all was. Mm-mm. It gets better. He said, I thought I love Shotty, but God be like, nope, he ain't your partner. Then you'd be like, damn, it's always happened to me like that. That nigga did it. I don't know what y'all talking about, but he did it. It's a lover's quarrel. Mm-hmm. It's given oh, so lover's you doing quarrel. The <laughs> oh, so you. <laughs> That's what it Y'all, is. Y'all, they're going to drag I, us. We can't go in here. Like, no. I <laughs> don't care. Well. Because you know what? That's what it is. And I, and I don't condone domestic violence in any form or capacity. However, the way that they're responding right. is very, it gives very well, similar to that. That I've seen. Trey Song been silent. But he, he has and, a tour kicking off and, this and, month. And if he's smart, he won't. Yeah. It would, it would probably do him more justice to stay silent. And don't say anything because at this point, your boo basically told everybody that y'all be y'all be fighting, y'all be the the girls are fighting, um, and but that it's, you are abusing. Yes, like because the listen, mm-hmm, mm-mm, not not wait a minute, not not him said. First he said partner. That's shoddy. I thought I, I love shoddy. Shawty, first and foremost, like, see, and coming from the cut and coming from the country. Now, listen, you don't, it's very rare. Okay, never mind. I don't even want to play with that. But I, I have not, well, especially in Atlanta, like up here, we have shorty and it's different, right? Like, if I'm but like, even, nah, shorty, even, you know, like, that's my shorty. But Atlanta, yeah, but shawty typically has it's going to be your girl, it's going to be your, typically, it's going to be like your your significant other or somebody yeah. that you're like intimate be. with it, like if you're in a heated argument it can be like when ti was like yeah, going like, off nah, on like yeah. the fuck off my pulse shot like, it, it can be sure but it's but, not, mm, huh, not mostly and then showing his locks being torn out i that's just first of all why would you post that why would you why because this is a crime of passion honey <laughs> Listen, okay. Oh this is a crime of passion. It's we about to get dragged online. Star, this whole episode, star, they about to dra- star cross <laughs> lovers. No I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Mm. Oh, help us. Well, um, you know, we just we're 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 just we're not making the news. We're just reporting it. That's it. This ain't even. Would you call this news? This is just mess. <laughs> the this gossip. Is just the gossip. Y'all are really on here fighting on Instagram, like. 
Trey Listen. probably shouldn't respond. It wouldn't look well. It would be like when Megan said Megan's Law and Nikki responded. Like, maybe just don't respond to this one. Please don't. Go maybe everybody tour. should learn. They should learn right. from like, Go just on don't. your tour, make your money for your legal fees that you will inevitably have. And Jacquez, girl. Yeah. Put it in the booth. Put it in the booth. Mm-hmm. Oh, and part of me feels if that is re- like, and I'm being like, I'm not being facetious, but if that really is the situation where they were possibly in some type of relationship and this has happened, like that's difficult to, cause you can't just, cause you can't have a regular breakup if there was a, cause you, cause you're both are like famous or, you know, or artists, or whatever you want to call it, whatever they are. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like, artists. <laughs> sure. But you know what I'm saying? Like, but it's like, they if, if that actually if it's actually deeper than what we're seeing it's difficult for the, you, how do you express that like you can't just be like man my band left me like you can't say that because we could do that in You're our an situation artist. pick up your pen get you hire a songwriter for the abuser that he is no well yes you should <laughs> it's wild but we just talked about how his fan like we talked about being black and our blackness and if the fan base is you know, a group of black straight yeah. people, even if Anti. you were exposing an abuser, these are like a lot of your fan base probably also supports Chris mm-hmm. Brown, also supports Tory Lane. So mm-hmm. it may not really work in your favor. Your favor. Or yeah. it could be iconic and you would gain a whole new audience. Group of people who would be like, all right, now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm. Mm. Well, yeah. I think that's an excellent place to end this episode <laughs> before we say anything further incriminating. Okay, girl, our inbox gonna be hit up. Then we're like, take it. Down. I'm hiding in the closet at the party. <laughs> uh-uh, we're not getting back in no more closets. Uh-uh, we done did too oh. much to come out. I ain't getting back in no more closets. I barely want to pull the shirt out the closet because I don't want to go in. I'm kidding. Okay. What is into y'all? What what happened? What did I? Thank y'all so much for listening. Uh, this has been a great episode. Um, you can find us on social media at Black Inquiry. Randy, where can the girls find you? You can find me at Randy Nigel. On and what? You can f- oh. On Instagram. Okay. You can find me on Instagram at Raymond Wise. Literally. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Bodabaddy, B-O-D-A-B-A-D-D-I-E. Uh, by the way, I meant to say follow us on Instagram. I just said follow us, but specifically our social media. Yeah. Insta- Y'all got it. Whatever. <laughs> it's a wrap. We are obviously delirious. Bye. <laughs>